0: Welcome to What's Next, the podcast that delves into the exhilarating world of nonlinear careers and the art of successful pivots. Join your host, Tamira Lechner, as she explores the diverse pathways of entrepreneurial spirits who thrive while working and playing across multiple disciplines. Whether you're firmly established in your career, contemplating a change, or simply seeking inspiration, these conversations with fascinating people will ignite your curiosity and inform your own journey. Tune in to discover how mindset and action, plus your own secret sauce, can lead to extraordinary personal and professional growth, no matter where life takes you.
1: I'm Tamara Lechner, your host, and I'm here for the fourth week with my guest and friend, Eric Fraser. Welcome back, Eric.
0: Thanks, Tamara. Great to be here.
1: Yeah, we've both had some some full-on weeks. I've spent the last week driving up the coast from Los Angeles all the way back to Vancouver Island to gather my family north for our Christmas celebration. So I'm a little wiped out this week. How's your week been?
0: It's been interesting. Um, and it, I don't think it's been as exhausting as yours. Um, but Lisa and I have had to think about, you know, where do we position ourselves in a market that keeps changing? So, it's a little bit like trying to position yourself on a wave while you're on a surfboard and that wave is a little, it's not very steady, you know. So, um, it's fun, but it's also not that easy.
1: So, I would love it if you would share with me, because from the outside, I I consider myself more of a, a user of this technology, an early adopter, but I don't know if I understand how that market is changing in the way that i would like to so could you unpack that a little bit for me
0: yeah sure so i i sense it as mostly being um, changed by the constant introduction of new and better technology and so what that does is that when you give people a new tool yeah. that can make five minute videos you know just by saying i want a video of a cat chasing a squirrel and then you just hit a button it's not actually five minutes right now but Pretty soon, it's going to be as long as five minutes. And then you'll get this really, really good video of a cat chasing a squirrel. And then you can say, well, I want it to look like my cat. Here's a photo of my cat. Like, put that in the film and it'll do that too. Like, when you have tools like that coming online almost on a weekly basis, it has huge ripple effects. It changes markets. It changes people's expectations. It changes the way they entertain themselves, what they're willing to pay for how much they're willing to pay for it. Um, You know, it has massive, massive effects.
1: Yes. Okay. So that helps me a lot to understand what you're speaking of. And I can think of this morning in my Facebook feed where I I never go, uh, but my mom directed me there this morning. And I found a video that showed what looked like a real male ballet dancer. Yeah. And they were able to take math calculations like a protractor and turn it into a hip-hop dance mm-hmm. in real time. And so that's where my brain goes. When you just described these changes, if I'm a marketing person and I'm yeah. doing an ad for Nike,
0: yeah. I have
1: to decide, am I going to hire a real dancer or am I going to use this tool? Sure. And what are the pros and cons of both? And you're right. It almost pulls the floor out from under the person who's designing the campaign. If suddenly there's a new something,
0: Exactly. I mean, how many people are going to pay to watch a Marvel film if an 18-year-old can make their own Marvel film by telling a filmmaking AI, hey, I want to watch a film with Captain America, except, um, you know, I want Captain America to be older and African-American. And then I want this character and that character. And I want the bad guy to be, you know, I don't know, like a space dinosaur or something. Just make that happen for me, will you? And then, what if you were able to make your own films like that? Would you go and keep paying money to watch Marvel films? What if you liked your own films better?
1: And AI would never pause and cough. So I, for the uh, audience, I just had to take yeah. a pause and cough. Uh, if I was a programmed AI, I wouldn't be pausing and coughing. And so the tool that I was playing with was a facilitation tool. And I've wondered, as someone who's, asked to give psychological safety talks to 22 groups if it would be easier for me to video myself upload the script and let my ai tamara do that and the better these technologies get the more likely it is that that's the version of tamara an organization might be receiving for at least part of a deliverable result so you're absolutely right that when everything is changing. The foundation right. underneath of you is hard to its hard to predict where to go and what to do next. So tell me more about what you and Lisa decided or, or what you've thought about deciding on.
0: Yeah, so we, we know that um, the lane that we picked is the lane that we still want to work in, which is we're going to help sales and marketing leaders who already have an appetite to work with AI we're going to help them decide what AI should they go and get or build and what problem can it be relied upon to solve in their world. So this um, requires us to understand the sales and marketing world and the problems in it and it requires us to understand AI and to track its various changes. It doesn't lock us into a specific type of technology. So if Friday's technology is technology A and then the next Monday, technology a has been completely superseded by technology b we still have a business because our business then becomes knowing that technology b is better and telling the sales and marketing leaders don't use technology a anymore use technology b because it solves your problem better
1: so you're working on the business and in the business and for me what came up when you were talking about that so i've been using ChatGPT with an extension called julius ai to Mm -hmm. help me analyze large data sets in Mm. a nuanced way. And something that happened between one time doing that and another client was that the GPT algorithm got dumber. Uh, And Mm -hmm. I think we've heard a lot of conversation about this, that when new legislation came in, it almost was as though it took a little step backwards. Uh, And so I discovered with the work that I was doing that what had been an easy kind of three-step process suddenly required two technologies instead of one and was now a six-step process and so i can only imagine if you are working with clients who have less understanding than i do and more deadlines what a challenge that might be for you
0: yeah it'll it's going to present some challenges but that's what we're in business to to handle um, we will get paid for handling those challenges better than our clients would.
1: That makes a ton of sense. So how, if you're looking across the technology choices that you have, and so let's imagine you've got A, B, and C that you might recommend to a client. Yeah. And then all of them change. I guess yeah. what I'm wondering is how do you keep up with what what has what capacity, what, what one's ahead, what one's... Is that just a? Is this where all of the humans who were busy doing the things that AI used to do are now going to be involved in tracking the things that AI can do, or or what? What does this look like?
0: Well, the first thing you should do is pick a lane, because if we tried to track all of the changes of all AI across all fields, that's impossible. You couldn't do it with a thousand people. That's what I believe, because the change is just too fast and too much. But if you say my lane is just helping sales and marketing leaders solve problems related to sales and marketing, well, now that is something you can do. You can just track AI that affects the ability to solve those problems. That's way easier. And I would argue it's more useful because Lisa and I understand the problems of the sales and marketing world. We do not understand the problems of a hospital in the same way
1: well and i wonder if what will happen as you're known for this the people who create the tools designed for sales and marketing will probably put them in front of you so that you won't have to be looking across our planet for all of the tools that people will start to recognize okay i go to eric and lisa if i have developed a really cool sales and marketing tool that i want to get in front of clients um for, for someone who's a founder, I think that's going to be a great opportunity.
0: Yeah, that's starting to happen a little bit. Um, I mean, I, I don't expect the head of AI at Salesforce to call us tomorrow and say, hey, we just came up with a new, you know, thing that we want to put in Salesforce Einstein, will you look at it for us? Because we're just not on their radar like that. Um, yeah, but yeah, yet, right? Like, I mean, who knows what will happen in two years time, we might have a much more prominent brand and we might be getting those calls um but yeah it i think there's also going to be uh like an explosion and then a contraction so in in the same way that nature you know uh created a lot of species in the cambrian period but then most of them died off um, this will happen with ai products as well so you'll get an explosion of lots and lots of different products and then there will be these consolidations and die-offs and that'll make it easier to track because you'll be tracking less stuff after the die-off.
1: I love that, and it actually made me think of some of Decker Keltner's work. Decker Keltner is a scientist and he's studied awe, he's studied kind of the positive aspects of being a human. And when you talked about dying off, he always tried to counter Darwin's belief, survival of the fittest, with survival of the kindest. And so if we go back to one of the ways that you and I connect, is considering AI for human flourishing. And I hope that the species that make it through the die-off, I hope they're the ones that contribute to humans being their best and doing their best work, not just the ones that are cool and created by big companies. So I, I hope that we get the survival of the the kindest uh, as well as, yeah. as the most innovative. I love new innovations, but it really... Got me thinking because I think you're right. We've got so much new. It's almost like the amount of content on YouTube. We can't look at all the things on YouTube anymore. We all and we now have to have some type of indicator telling us people like you watch things like this, and we know that algorithm's not working terribly well.
0: (laughs) Um, (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And so there is great hope that this one works better.
0: Yeah, I hope so too. I mean, I don't want to live in a society where basically the the most aggressive and biggest chimp with the, the capacity for the most violence, you know, it gets to rule the, the chimp colony. Um, yeah, I don't want to live in that society. Um, I mean, in terms of how these the markets will shake out, which companies survive or not, it, it will be based on economic utility and success at first. Um, who knows, we might reformat our entire society so that those rules... Um, you know, and the economic structures are different as well. That that actually is a possible impact of some of this new AI. It is reformatting economics so fast that we might have uh, radically different ways of deciding who gets rewarded and who doesn't.
1: Oh, I hope that happens. I've been, I think that's one of the the complex problems that my family talks about a lot at our at our dinner table is how do we redefine success? We know that for our family, success is different than it would be for many other families. But how do you do that yeah. globally? So, if this innovative tool allows us as humans to shift that way, wow, what yeah. what a what a great time to be alive if that if that does absolutely. Come to yeah,
0: yeah. I don't think we have to be afraid of creative destruction. I mean, there is the destruction part, and, you know, even being destroyed is not necessarily negative. Um, you know that comes that starts to go into philosophy of existence and you know that sort of thing. But um, to have a part of an old system destroyed and reformatted—I mean, this happens over and over and over again. I mean, you just you only have to look at about a thousand years of history, which is nothing, and you can see just countless examples. Of that happening to human societies
1: Absolutely, I, I always look to Ray Dalio, who's a great predictor of cycles, and and yeah. that's certainly one yeah. of the things that I've seen Ray talking about a lot, which I think um, helps people who are feeling hopeless to recognize it is just a cycle, and it is it, yeah what what comes up goes down, and vice versa.
0: yeah, yeah,
1: so let's step back a bit. I know last week when we talked, or actually two weeks ago, we started to talk about you and Lisa sitting down and you've got a clear lane now. Have you started to do the work around values yet? Or what else? I know there's so much to unpack in the early stages of business. Um, where else have you gone?
0: Yeah. So um, honestly, we haven't had, we just haven't had time to set aside like a time window to just purely talk about values. In the last company I worked for, Culture Partners, they asked their clients to set aside two days, two full days for the executive teams to work on purpose and values, essentially. Um, We haven't had that time because we're too busy, basically. Um, But we don't want to go too long without really codifying them and saying they are the values. We wrote them down and we both agree that that's what they are. Because what happens if you if you don't write them down and you don't codify them, what happens is that every member of the company, and we're only a two-person company right now, but, you know, we're going to be more than that soon, um, they're going to start to form their own slightly different variant of the values, and you might think, well, oh, that's harmless enough. They're just opinions, right? Actually, for companies, it's better if everyone understands what the values are supposed to be. Um, and you probably, your, your own experience in education in, organizational culture probably gives you a better understanding of that than most people.
1: Absolutely. We often talk about it um like a rowing boat where you've got eight rowers and if somebody's not pulling at the same speed or the same yeah. time even though you're right. trying to get to the same end it's you're not going to get there as well. So really um that is so important but you're right in a two person boat things yeah. aren't going to go as wrong as in right. an eight eight person. So you've got time right. and, and two days at this stage of your corporate development is a lot of time
0: especially when we're this busy yeah yeah well and but we'll, so we'll have i want to wanna understand yeah.
1: the this busy because i'm excited for you and i want to know how I, I mean i know lisa has a brilliant reputation i'm curious where's yeah. the busy coming from
0: it's word of mouth so in terms of you know where do we get Clients from how do they find out about us? I mean, people basically just talk about us about to each other, and then those people call us and say, "Oh, I heard you solved this problem for that person. Well, I've got the same problem. Can you help me?" Um, and occasionally, you know, Lisa has a profile in the media specifically talking about AI. So she's been on, you know, the major networks, and she's sometimes on local news channels, like she was today. Uh, basically, as an explainer to normal people about what's going on in AI. And, you know, business people hear this and they think, wow, I want to talk to that person about AI in my own business. So we get, you know, we get approached by those people as well. And as you can imagine, because there's only two people, um, this this results in plenty of work.
1: Yeah, that that is very clear. And so I think for our audience, um, because I'm thinking, okay, if if I've got someone else who's making a pivot and they've decided this is the work I want to do, whether it's an AI or something entirely different. But I think what I heard you describe was part of the reason that you're already getting great traction is because of status, Um, a status based on reputation that says, I know my stuff and people can trust and respect me. And so what I'm wondering is the value of Connecting yourself with that in a way where you enhance their capability, right? Because now she's two, there's two of you, she can do more, um, and then sure. that reputation becomes both of your reputation. What hints would you have on kind of building and maintaining status so that once you've got it, I know from my organizational work that once you've lost trust, yeah, it's harder to regain it, right? So yeah, starting from scratch. How do you build that well and maintain its strength?
0: Number one rule do not never overstate what you know. never overstate what you know because you will be found out, you will lose that trust and you will not get it back. So I've been super honest with Lisa from the start, maybe even understating what I know about AI um, and uh, that's got to be the same with clients as well or prospective clients. So yesterday someone, Asked me, "Hey, do you want to be connected to this insurance executive? Because I I happen to mention that there was a a Danish study that came out 48 hours ago that um, showed that AI could be used to predict exactly when a person was going to die, really, really accurately." And I said, "You know, the insurance company will just be." so excited about this Uh, the insurance industry will be so excited because that'll let you write much better policies and much more granular policies for life insurance and so someone said oh i'm about to have lunch with an insurance executive you know do you want to be connected to them and i I said i don't mind being connected to them i'm not going to pitch them anything because i don't know anything about insurance so for me to you know pop up and say well i you know i know how to help you no that's not true because i don't understand the insurance industry I mean, I have insurance policies. I'm a customer, but I've never worked in that industry. Yeah, structure so, so
1: modeling is a high level yeah. of intellectual humility, which number one forges more trust. But I also think in North America, and perhaps this is from your roots in Australia, that tall poppy syndrome, um, working to your benefit. Because I, what I see is people. Pretending to know more than they do, and and so you're right. In the long term, that doesn't work out well because you might get in the door with the insurance guy and then make an ass of yourself, That's not right. knowing he'll, what you should know. He'll find me out
0: at some point, right? Like it won't yeah. take that long for him to find me out. So I'd rather just tell him like I can't help you. I mean, if you want my free opinion of what this model is like, I'll give that to you for free. But I'm not going to try and sign you as a client because I just don't have the expertise in your industry. Um, And then specifically with knowledge of AI, when I'm talking to other AI people, if I don't understand something, I'll just say, I don't get it. Like, I won't pretend that I understand part of it. I'll just say, I don't get it. Help me out. What does that mean? Um, And so I think that's the number one thing. Like when you're joining up with someone, be honest about what you do know. Like I did tell Lisa, I understand sales tech stacks. So in other words, yep. the pieces of software that sales leaders buy to help their salespeople, I know what they buy. I know why they buy it. I know how it works together. That's true. Um, it is also true that I'm, you know, still learning how the AI works. Um, you know, I'm doing my homework. I'm a dedicated student, but I am still a student. I'm not a teacher of it yet. Um, So that means that there's certain things I can do to help Lisa and there's certain things I can't do. Um, The way that we're formatting the product catalogue, it probably looks, to me, it looks like we'll end up with about 10 products on that catalogue, seven of which I could either help deliver or deliver in whole, and then three of which I will not be able to deliver because I just don't have the AI knowledge yet.
1: That level of clarity really will help I think, I mean, obviously it helps you to sort clients you'll choose and clients you won't. And we talked about this last time that that's going to be very important because you have more people wanting your services than you're going to be able to serve. And so picking well, that'll be a strength. But I think the other side is having that level of clarity around what you offer actually speaks to what you understand because people who don't have Here are our 10 products and and here are the seven that I that I'm a part of. And here's the one I recommend for you, people that are making it up as they go. um, Yeah, I I, think there's no shortage of those right now because people can get away with saying it's all new. So I I don't have a yeah, I think this is part of what's going to set you apart from potential competitors is the fact that you do have it together in that way.
0: I hope so. I mean, the other thing that to be clear about is what are your transferable skills? So let's say that you're classically trained as a French cook, but you really want to work in a Chinese restaurant, like a high-end Chinese restaurant. Well, when you get into the kitchen the first day, you're not going to know anything. Like, I mean, you have some cooking basic skills, right? So you can probably be trusted with some, you know, I don't know, like you can chop the vegetables. You can probably be taught pretty quickly how to stir fry some vegetables, but there are some things you're not going to be able to do. And so, um, to me, it's like, you know, I've joined, I have some understanding of math and I was a software developer. So that gives me some on ramps to learn AI. But I have to be really honest about which parts of AI I don't understand yet, which Lisa does already understand. So they're like three dishes on the menu. We have a 10 menu dish and three of them I can't cook at all. They're just too complicated. She knows how to cook those. Now, seven of them I can either partly cook or I can cook wholly. Because my training, what I do have as I walk into the kitchen, it's enough for me to learn those really quickly and say, "Oh yeah, okay, I can stir-fry the carrots." That's fine.
1: I think this is I mean, it's, it, that explained it so well, and for our listeners who are wanting to make a pivot, really grabbing hold to that advice of know what you can do and be comfortable saying that you can't. There's nothing wrong with not being able to cook Chinese when you're a brilliant French chef. Right. It just means there's something else to learn. And and I think especially for people who are doing a a pivot later in their career, uh, often something that comes up is this, well, I should be further along those, those shoulds that get in our way. Uh, And so (laughs) (laughs) being able to really comfortably say, I don't know where I failed or, this this doesn't work for me. And also challenging yourself. I know that I catch myself because it's been years since I've done anything formally that's deeply mathematical. Uh, and so I catch myself in my mindset, even when my kids come home with advanced calculus saying, I can't help you. I don't know this. And right. I've been working on pivoting the way that I think about my potential in that space because I know there's so much math behind this technology that I want to understand that I'm working on having a more growth mindset way of thinking about it at the same time as having that humility, being able to go, yeah, I, I'm listening to Eric. And now I need to go and actually do some, some practice. And when I played inside of some of the IBM courses, some of the other free courses, I was like, okay, I'm very far from where I used to be with math and that's okay because I'm one step it further is okay.
0: than somebody Absolutely. else who's
1: not trying.
0: Yeah, it is okay. When I was full time, not full time, but when I was seriously training in boxing, I could do a set of fifty push-ups on my knuckles, like just one set, no problem. I couldn't do that now, you know.
1: Okay, so two things. I didn't know you had a history in boxing. Tell me about this.
0: Oh yeah, I um, this, this is one of the first like physical skills I learned because my dad was a boxer and his dad was a boxer, so. I think one of my earliest memories actually is being taught boxing so my dad was on his knees holding his hands up in front of me and i was like basically punching his hands um so i must have been very small so anyway that the the degradation of skills i mean that just happens to everyone i mean even you know i'm getting back into math now and i'm starting to remember oh that's right taught us this in college and I kind of put it away and thought that'll never be applicable ever and now I'm realizing oh it's very applicable you know
1: yeah so your mindset about your capacity but also the needing to refresh even if you've had a previous capacity two really strong strengths when you're pivoting in your career
0: yeah yeah so yeah don't overstate what you know but find things that you do know that will help you act as an on-ramp to what you want to learn.
1: Now, we've touched on a couple of cool innovations that you and I have come across this week. But if you had to pick out what was the the big change that happened over the past seven days, what would that okay. be from your perspective?
0: So um, there's two things that, that are kind of um, indicating the same thing the thing that they're both indicating are that large language models are much more flexible than we thought so even 2 weeks ago if someone said would you use a large language model to do complex math i would have said heck no that's the worst tool ever that's like using a military flamethrower at a grill a burger you know it's just not what you would use just use a grill and then google deepmind just used a large language model that they specifically trained for math. And I still don't really know why they did that, except as an intellectual curiosity, but they did it. And then they threw it a very, very difficult math problem and it solved it. And um, and then everyone was like, how did you do that? Like, because it was a very, very difficult problem. And their answer was basically like, uh, we don't know. We're going to have to check inside the model and see how it did it. So that was really astounding to me. Um, because it is kind of like picking up a tool that was meant for one job and finding out that it could do this very, very different job. Um, so that was startling. Yeah. It's startling,
1: but it also modeled, if we have a theme to this, this episode, it is that humility. The fact that you just said deep mind said, I don't, I don't know how it works, but we're going to (laughs) figure it out. I I think that's the theme for the week is it's okay not to know.
0: Yeah. And then the Danish study, you know, they illustrated, you know, large language models are basically predicting the next word in a sentence, yeah. very, very simply. And the Danes, this team at um, Technical University of Denmark, used the same math to predict life events. So they poured a whole mountain of data about life events of Danish people over ten years into a large language model. And they got it to start predicting with quite impressive accuracy what is going to happen to you next. And ultimately, when are you going to die? So um, then I started thinking about, well, that really does end in a kind of a minority report style thing, because you give that tool to law enforcement, right? And law enforcement is going to start saying things like, you know, Eric Fraser looks like he's going to rob a bank in 2026 on Friday, June the 2nd. Let's put some officers at the bank. To intercept him so that's where it goes right um it it,
1: it is where it goes absolutely yeah. yeah and so did you is this i did not hear about this danish study other than through you um and i because of my gong show of a week haven't spent much time exploring these new and fascinating things is this study? Based on something that others can see yet, or are we just being told about it but we can't use it yet?
0: They published the paper, so you can read the whole paper. Um, I can
1: read the whole paper, but I guess what I'm asking is, Eric Fraser didn't go in and calculate when he's going to die, or like you, oh, no, you don't have no. access to the I mean, tool yet.
0: Yeah, and and I wouldn't care to know. Speaking, would you care to know? Well, no. I mean, I don't think I'm that interested. I first of all, I'm not sure I would even believe. <laughs> Uh, i mean i know the statistical evidence is there that the model works but um what i would have trouble believing is that the model captures enough about my life Mm -hmm. that it would come up with a high fidelity um uh sort of picture of what's going to happen to me but you know they They studied around 280 variables of everyone's life. And this was for 6 million people over 10 years on a daily basis. Now, I don't know where they got the data. Apparently, they have that data in Denmark. Um, the, the, The arrogance here might be me thinking that I'm just so special that my data, you know, won't predict that. I mean, maybe I'm the idiot here. Maybe if I did feed all that data about myself into a model, maybe it would actually tell me, like, yeah, you're going to die at 58 of this disease based on what you've experienced so far. Who knows? I just think that um, I like to think that I have enough agency that I can switch things around. Um, the the other potential, of course, of this model is you give this to you know medical practitioners and they might be able to come up with really great advice, like, don't eat so much red meat, you dummy. Like you're gonna get stomach cancer. Don't do they it. They
1: do. The other thing that comes up is, again, this is going to the negative mind, which always jumps in. Is in triage, if they're choosing who to save, and they've got an algorithm that says, well, Tamara's supposed to go before Eric, so we're going to focus our attention on saving Eric because yeah. Tamara's Tamara's predestined. Again, that's that's the minority report version, not yeah, the, not sure. the reality. But it, they they are the the funny things to think about, but you also understand where all of these conspiracy theories are coming from
0: Yeah, Uh, yeah. when these
1: are the conversations that feel unreal but are very real.
0: Yeah. I also started thinking, well, it's only Danes, right? So it doesn't apply to anyone else. Um, But then I thought, no, because the math they're using, you could take the model, apply it to Indonesians and it would come up with totally different factors for what drives, you know, someone's time of death as an Indonesian. It doesn't need to, like part of the beauty of this model that they came up with is they weren't the ones that said, here are the factors. They just poured the data into the model and they told the model, you come up with the factors, you tell us. We don't know what drives time of death. And
1: yeah. the
0: model was the one that said, here's what drives time of death. Okay, and now, so you now I'm going to read
1: the paper. Now I definitely yeah. want to read the paper. Yeah. All right, let's so, pause time of death conversation station sure, yeah. and, and go to time of life. We, we've been trying to track goals and and have clear goals. So we're having a holiday coming up for many of us. It's it's a time of work slowing down a bit. I know that next week I'm pausing and not having clear goals, but do you have clear goals that you're setting for yourself for the next 7 days?
0: Yeah, but a lot of them aren't work goals there to do with you <laughs> oh, know okay. spending time with my wife and um you know just spending time with family and um, so, yeah, I have some goals that I'm kind of determined to spend quality time with people and be present with them. Um, And then the work goals, yeah, I'll I'll pick them up at some point, but um, I'm not going to work all through Christmas. Um, You know, I'm not going to go to a family function with my laptop and be banging out, you know papers on how to use Llama 2. So Yeah, I won't yeah. find
1: you on LinkedIn on December 25th telling me the newest, greatest innovation. And if I do no. find you there on the 25th, I'm going to tell you to get off your
0: computer. You, you can, <laughs> yeah, you can call me out on it. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Awesome. Well, with that in mind, I think we'll pause for a week because we're not going to have much to report over and we're both deserving of a break. We'll give our audience a break and we'll catch up in two weeks for our our week five conversation. Is Sounds there anything like a- else awesome that happened in your week that you want to share with our audience before we head off?
0: Oh, I have a really blessed life, so a lot of awesome stuff happens to me just in general. Um, but uh, you know, from the world of AI and from the world of career pivots, I think you know we've we've covered it. I mean, um, it's first of all, I just generally am loving the pivot. I know I pivoted into you know, a situation where I don't have an employer just pouring money into my account every half month. Um, How do I feel about that? I freaking love it. I love it. I love the accountability of knowing that, you know, if I earn income, it's because I sold something that someone really wants at that price.
1: That's a a wonderful feeling. And I also think that's another check-in for our audience that Listen to Eric. He's checking his pivot and going, Yeah, this feels good. Sometimes you pivot and it doesn't feel good. And listening to your gut and and yeah. going, Okay, there's gonna be discomfort, and that's different than having a feeling that this might not be right. And and so I love that you continue to have that energy of this is the path and this is good and I'm loving this.
0: Yeah. And I'm yeah. so glad
1: you're sharing it with with me and with our audience.
0: I'm really happy to get the opportunity to do that. I actually want to encourage people to do these pivots responsibly, you know. So don't go too wild. Don't jump off the cliff without a parachute. But I think these um, this style of income earning is probably more common in the future, where instead of having one employer pay you all of your W two income, you have several people buying your services because they really, really want them. And if one of them goes away, that's okay, because you've got several others.
1: I think that's a great place to end. And I, I do think you're right. We're trending that way with all of the the upheavals and the changes that we can either be bracing for or be excited about. And so I hope our audience is excited. yeah, And really thinking about the pivots and the what's next as this is the next best thing. So Eric, Thank you so much again for taking time out of your busy schedule to help us witness your course. And for our listeners, I hope that you're staying curious and open-minded and brave about your own what's next. Have a beautiful break. We'll be back with you in two weeks. And until then, what's next is all up to you.